Welcome in to the Blitz and Buckets podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-host here in person for the first time since like episode two or episode one in person, Mr. Jaden Kozak. What's up, dude? Uh, nothing. Glad to be back in person, though. Yeah, man. Add yeah, that man. personal touch. Of course. Of course, you know. We, uh, we had an opportunity to put the notes together today, which was nice. And um, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. So let's hop into it. Today we're going with a different format for the way we're going to recap the teams in the division. And it's just going to kind of streamline the whole thing. We're going with one best thing from the season, one worst thing from the season from each team. And then for the off season, we're doing one best, one worst. And then we do the outlook for the incoming season. But we'll also throw in the honorable mentions into the conversation as well but we've been having our episodes run for like an hour 15 and we used to have 45 minute episodes and i know that people would rather have 45 minute episodes in an hour so we're gonna try to streamline the whole process today and see how it goes so let's get into it and today we are getting into the nfc east And the first team on that list and the worst team in 2020 in the NFC East is the Philadelphia Eagles. So, not a lot of great things going on in Philly right now. Let's recap the 2020 season, shall we? The best thing to come out of Philly last year, and there wasn't a whole lot. We were talking about the notes. No. Yeah. It was pretty miserable trying to put together the best things in Philly from last year. But, you know, we tried our best. And the best thing to come out of Philly last year, Jalen Hurts. We made a consensus decision on that, (laughs) as hard as it was. But Jalen Hurts, the best thing to come out of Philly last year. And he didn't play the whole year. Wentz started for the majority of the year. And then Hertz came in, but Hertz was involved most of the year, right? Yeah, like, I think he had like a couple like weird wildcat right snaps and shit like that, but nothing like nothing major is like starting quarterback role, right? Honestly, yeah. So, but eventually Carson Wentz just got too bad to play in a football game, so they put in Jalen Hurts, the rookie, and he showed some flashes. Flashes is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> very, fla- very flashy flashes. They they came very far and few between. But he he showed a lot of like okay, if you can get this more often, then yeah. But it was so much like if you actually nitpick and you know watch on entire games of his. As an Eagles fan, there's reasons to be optimistic, but there's also reasons to be pessimistic because he does live up to that. Uh, What's the word you're looking for? Not expectation, not resume, not. Jeez, this is. I a, don't know. This is a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> what What does it start with? I don't know. Live up to the hype. Not like live up to that like a common thing that is said about him. Persona. I get. I'm keep getting like stigma, but. Anyway. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, let's we're gonna stop the pod because Jay yeah, couldn't I, figure out the word that he wanted me, to get out. God. Jeez. Alright. Yeah. That was a nice riff you Yeah, that was 
Anyway, despite the not being able to find a word, that was some pretty solid analysis. Yeah, that was, that was great. Yeah. Um, he did kind of live up to the stigma of being a first-read quarterback, where he did, you know, the options were, okay, is my first read open? Yes? All right, I'm going to throw it. No? Okay, I'm going to scramble. And it, as an Eagles, if you're an Eagles fan, you'd want to see more of, you know, pocket presence more, you know, moving to the second, third reads, moving around in the pocket a little bit more and not just bailing the pocket, a clean pocket oftentimes that he would just leave and abandon to try and get yards with his legs because that's what he could do in college and that's what he's always relied on to be productive and, you know, become a second-round pick and stuff like that. But if he's going to be your starting quarterback, you need to see the progression of, you know, moving through your reads and staying in the pocket. Yeah. So... I guess you can call it good just because there wasn't a whole lot other good. Yeah, exactly. There. He was a lot more serviceable than Carson there, Wentz last yeah, year. Yeah, there's still some things that Jalen Hurts need to be on there now. And come to expect from a rookie quarterback. But let's dive into some of the stats. Finished with over 1,000 yards passing, six touchdowns and four interceptions. On the ground, he finished with 354 yards and three touchdowns. And like we said, it was more about the flashes, not the stats put together. So. Honorable mentions for the best in Philly, <laughs> Travis Fulgham. <laughs> yeah, Travis. Oh. Travis Fulgham had a great start to the year, and he looked like the next up-and-coming of the next best uh, Philly uh, wide number, receiver. The greatest number three receiver that the Eagles could potentially have. Yeah, yeah. But he had a great start to the year, and then he fizzled out. But as far as the best goes, that, that'll that show you how bad it is. Yeah, it's the, pretty bleak. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. So... Now let's dive into the worst, which there's a lot, but we won't get into all of them. But the worst, in our opinion, as far as like the staple goes, injuries on the offensive line. One of my roommates, Ryan Asman, he is a serious Eagles fan. Former podcast guest. Yes, former podcast guest. And uh, one of our mutual friends, John Michael, is also yeah. a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. And he mentioned, both of them mentioned often, especially my roommate, that the offensive line was their main problem, and rightfully so. They had injuries to Andre Dillard, the veteran Jason Peters, the solid offensive lineman Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks. All of these guys were out a significant amount of time, and that hurt the quarterback play. That hurt the that hurt Miles Sanders. The entire who, offense. Was yeah. Because that's what their identity is, and that's probably what their identity is going to be this year is – you know, you are able to control the line and then just hope everything goes well with your skill positions. But when all those guys go down and you're looking at second and third string offensive linemen, then you also throw in your rookie quarterback and then your running backs hurt and your wide right. receiver room is probably one of the worst three or four in the league. It's really hard to score any points. And when it's really hard to score any points, it's really hard to win any games. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and Miles Sanders, just want to mention this real quick. He came into the year as, especially in fantasy, top 10 running back expected. Fuck Miles Sanders. And, <laughs> fuck Miles Sanders. That's our message that we got to send out to. But, honorable mentions for the worst in the Eagles season last year. There was a lot, but some of the more notable honorable mentions. The struggles on the receiving end, the, the receiving end last year, they just didn't have anybody. And one of those major guys was supposed to be Zach Ertz, yeah. who had 
before last year, been one of the best tight ends Classic. in fantasy. You telling everybody in the fantasy league, watch out, because I just picked up Zach Ertz. Hey, man. With, like, a little bit left in the year. Like, you guys are going to regret not trading for Zach Ertz. Well, last year there was such, like, a focus on having a tight end. Like, if you did not have a premium tight end, then you were not going to win in our league. Yeah. Like, you look at us, we had Wall- you had Waller, I had Kelsey. Like, you weren't making the championship. And last year was a weird year with tight ends. and Especially Ertz- with Kittle then going down, and he was one of those right. premier three. So then you're just looking at Waller, Kelsey, and then anybody else is just an average player like Andrews, Hawkinson, that group of guys. Right. And But Ertz, going into last year, was expected to be one of those top-tier tight ends like those guys. And he just completely fizzled out he had 335 yards and a touchdown and granted he was injured for a majority of the year but even when he was on the field it was dismal so other receivers on the team that ended up fizzling out or not doing anything at all throughout the year Travis Fulgham (laughs) Greg Ward and Jalen Rager also had their fair share of struggles last year so Jalen Rager and JJ Arcega-Whiteside are like oh yeah Arcega-Whiteside yeah Arcega Whiteside was supposed to be well. They picked him pretty before, solid. I mean, too. they picked Arcega Whiteside before DK, and then they picked Rager before Justin Jefferson. So and then they picked Aguilar they, a couple years ago yeah. before. I don't know. I don't remember the receivers yeah. in that class. Somebody, but, but obviously it, a bad pick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a long few years for Philadelphia yeah. Eagles fans. Sorry, guys. minus the Super Bowl win, I guess. But you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that there's was, the occasional okay Super Bowl year. win. You know, yeah. Everybody likes a good Super Bowl win, but... Yeah, exactly. I can't believe that squad was led by Doug Peterson. But anyway, let's get into... Let's let's pick up the joy here for the Eagles because they had a pretty decent offseason. Their best contributor... Uh, their best point that they made in the offseason was grabbing Devontae Smith in the draft. And he was drafted with the number 10 pick. They traded up with the Dallas Cowboys to get the number 10 pick. And Devontae Smith, obviously, we've talked about him on the pod before. He's drawn comparisons to Marvin Harrison. He was a dog at Alabama. Amazing receiver. No talent. Uh, No talent doubts as far as college goes. But there's been a serious amount of doubt on whether or not he has the physical attributes to compete as a number one wide receiver or as a receiver or a good wide receiver in this league. Yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. I, I do think it was, you know, I, cause they traded, they were at six. Then they had the trade with the dolphins, I think to trade back. And then they then traded up again. And like when they were at six, like I didn't see any problem with them taking Devonte Smith at six, but you know, and you can get that guy at 10, that's great, but, you know, he is, he's, what, 6'1", 170 pounds, he's my size. I don't play football. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. that's concerning for me. Especially, <laughs> you just imagine yourself yeah, in an I'm Eagles just, I'm uniform. I'm sitting there staring at Jalen Rams like, eh. but, That's me. Yeah. But, and especially because he is probably going to take, he's going to get a lot of the targets there now that he is the number one receiver. And, you know, I do like the fact that you do have him with Jalen Hurts. If you're going to get Jalen Hurts a guy, you're going to get somebody that can run just about every route in the route tree. He can get you anything, you know, in the short game, the intermediate game, the deep game. He can run all those routes. And Jalen Hurts needs a guy like that, especially because he is going to be a first-read guy. And he is going to look to Devontae Smith a lot. 
but Devontae Smith is also going to get beat up. So I know that's the common criticism of Devontae Smith, but hopefully he can beef up and, you know, be able to compete with the top NFL corners. And he's already got the route running. He's got the speed and all that stuff. He, he should be fine. It's just that, like, weird, like, is he really going to be big enough? Is he going to is he going to be strong enough right. to compete at an NFL level against, you know, the Jalen Ramseys and those bigger, you know, stronger corners? Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the only criticism really that you can find with Devontae Smith. Right. Because all the, the talents there. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. arguably the most accomplished college receiver of all time. Right. Exactly. So I like it, and especially with his former college or yeah, his former college quarterback, yeah. Jalen Hurts. And well was Jalen Hurts yeah. I think he, was, he might have been like a freshman or a sophomore when Jalen Hurts was there because you had Mac Jones last year, then the year before was Tua, and then the year before that was Jalen Hurts. Right. So they might have played well, together. Well, they were teammates. But, at some and point. also, Devontae Smith was in, you know, behind Jerry Judy, right. Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Jalen Waddle, like earlier in his Alabama career, he was probably in a very crowded receiver room. So even right. if he was there when Jalen Hurts was there, I don't know if they were working in practice together, if yeah. he got to see the field a lot in games. So Regardless, former teammates, yeah. you know, yeah. that tends to be. Oh, yeah, well. definitely. So, let's get into the honorable mentions for the best things to happen in the offseason for the Eagles. And that would be letting go of Doug Peterson, number one, who they ended up hiring Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni instead. Doug Peterson, I've heard from a lot of Eagles fans that, or specifically our roommate and John Michael, that Doug is just toxic. And you could tell that. The moment that I really could tell that Doug Peterson was truly toxic was after was the Giants situation and when he benched uh, – did he bench Wentz? Or no, he yeah, benched Hurts. Yeah. yeah, and he benched Hurts, and the Giants were in a position to get into the playoffs if the Eagles won that game against Washington. But because he benched Hurts, they weren't given the same chance, and the Eagles end up losing, so the Giants were super mad. But it just, it just showed that the – Eagles weren't willing to compete, you know? Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, I get that, it too, at that but... point, I don't want to risk my quarterback who looked like, especially when you look like you were going to probably end up moving on from Wentz and Jalen Hurts is going to be your guy. And you're out of the playoffs. I don't blame him. I know Giants fans do. And I know, you know, people around the NFL world, you know, you play to win the game and this and that. But to a certain point, you got to do what's best for your team and your roster. And if that's sitting your quarterback when you have no chance to, own, you're only. A, you're only moving down in draft position. You have no chance of making it in the playoffs. I mean, I don't see any reason to play Jalen Hurts. Yeah, the only the I only thing I could see that's is not just, football, man. I, I know, that's I know, not football. but just to be able to see more of Jalen Hurts because what you only got four games of full Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, actually starting a quarterback and being the captain of the offense, and you know, you only got to see so much of that, and I as a Coach, I would want to see more if I'm looking to trade my guy that, you know, was an MVP candidate not too long ago, who was my number two overall draft pick. If I'm looking to move on from that guy for you, I need to see more from you right. to make that decision. Yeah, So exactly. Exactly. But nonetheless, he is permanently scarred, Carson Wentz, for the rest of his career. Oh, yeah. Mentally. And I and I do, th- <laughs> I do think that moving on from Doug Peterson was the right move for the Eagles. It was just time oh, yeah. for a new 
just a fresh start, more or less. Right. I mean, you got the new quarterback now with Wentz gone. You've still got a lot of those veterans there from the Super Bowl teams, basically the offensive line and Fletcher Cox and they're going some to the of those core guys. Yeah, and it's – I mean, if they really wanted to, they can go into complete sell-off mode, trade those guys and stack up picks because Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, those guys will get – they have trade value. Mm-hmm. I mean, even 100%. Darius Slay. Even Darius Slay. I know he wasn't part of those teams, Jason but he was Peters. brought in. Yeah, like – he could, they could get some stuff for those guys if they really want to go full in on rebuilding. But it's just weird how they've got a bunch of good veterans, but then also some young players with promise. And you don't really know if they're going to try and win the division or if they're going for the number one pick. They're in a tough spot. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. So, also another honorable mention for the best in the off season. As much as I love Carson Wentz, it was time for them to move on from Carson, obviously. Yeah. So they let go of Carson, and that will bode well for Philadelphia this year. So the worst in the offseason, couldn't find much, but they did lose their safety, Jalen Mills, four years, $24 million to New England. And we were talking a little bit before the podcast. You're a big fan of Jalen Mills. Yeah, I, li- I like him, especially being able to be utilized by Bill Belichick and their staff. He can play both corner and safety, and I think he'll be a nice piece for them to have, especially, you know, you're playing him behind Gilmore, Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson. Like, there's a – Devin McCourty. Like, he's, what, your fifth or sixth DB? Like, he's going to – I think he'll thrive there given, you know, the right amount of snaps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that, let's get into the 2021 outlook. Ceiling floor. Eagles. Hit it. Floor, two wins. I think if Jalen Hurts really... I think Jalen Hurts has the potential to be the worst quarterback in the league. Yeah, so. I mean, he's right in the same conversation as Drew Locke of like... Daniel Jones. This this is this is it. Like, well, not this is it, but you, you are one... This is one of the worst quarterback rooms in the league, and he doesn't have the, the... The Eagles do not have the benefit of having a Teddy Bridgewater there if Drew Locke doesn't work, and you, you know, maybe you could make a playoff push, but Drew Locke's holding you back. You put in Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to be a safe guy. He's going to make all the right plays and, you know, just game manage you into the playoffs. The Eagles don't have that option. Joe Flacco is, you know. Joe Flacco. He, he's <laughs> at the point in his career where he is. Flacco, about, Flacco. Yeah, like he is not even a mentionable, you know, backup. He's just a guy that is. He's the brought in. Yeah, side. he's a guy that's going to be brought in if he gets hurt. There's no chance that Joe Flacco wins the job over Jalen Hurts. But. It all really depends on Jalen Hurts and how good he's going to be if he does take that step and he does, you know, start moving through his progressions and staying in the pocket and, you know, making smarter decisions. Maybe they could win the they could win this division. Like their team is no not way, that their team dude. is not that bad. No. I do not believe that they will win that division. I don't think they will either, but I think there's a chance that they could. I don't think there's a chance there, there's, there's I think pieces with on the, the ca- roster if you know if all know. three teams are clearly better, I except the Giants. Yeah, I can't take the optimistic approach everywhere, obviously, but like you know, if Miles Sanders does, you know, start to prove that he is the running back that people think he is, and Devontae Smith has a great rookie year, and Goddard takes the step, the defensive line is good. The offensive line, and is they good. weren't. The secondary is okay. It's not the best. Their corner group is really bad once you make it past Derek Slade, but their safeties are okay. And their linebackers have not been something that they've ever really focused on. That's a position that they just don't invest in. So you can't really blame them for having bad guys at in that position group. But fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the rookie head coach and does that team, me, yeah. But floor, 
I'd probably say two wins, ceiling maybe eight. Like the only way they win the division if it is if it's a similar situation to last year where every te- every team in that division is hard. Which I don't think there's a chance that that happens. I don't think that. I think that no matter what, the winner of the NFC East will be the four seed. You think so? Yeah, I don't think that there's any team in the NFC East better than the Packers, the Bucks, or whoever comes out of the NFC West. So fair. I mean, we'll get yeah, into yeah, some yeah, of these no other teams what, though. But, yeah, we'll get it. I don't know. I think you got a point, but I don't agree with you. But that's okay. Anyway, floor for me, two wins. Ceiling. It's you gotta remember that this is Philly, dude. Like Philly Oh, people will get hurt, but we can't really take that into account. Like No, I know. I know, but it's like Eagles have been struggling. the Eagles and I have, struggle. Yeah. That is what they do. So I will put Philly sports struggle. Correction. <laughs> that's true. I'll put the ceiling at six wins. So I'm not I'm not confident. I'm not confident. But let's dive into our next team in this division, and that is the Dallas Cowboys, who finished six and ten last year. But a lot of that was because of certain injury, which we will get into right now. Let's recap the 2020 season. And the best thing to come out of Dallas last year was Dak Prescott before his season ending injury. In just five games. Dak Prescott threw for almost 2,000 yards, nine touchdowns, and four interceptions. And we saw the potential in the Cowboys offense. Like, with a healthy Dak Prescott and the monster receiving core that they had, or they have currently with Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, that could be a Bills-Chiefs kind of offense. I don't know about Chiefs, but it could definitely be a Bills kind of offense next year because not only do you have that monster receiving core very similar to the Bills but you have an Ezekiel Elliott which the Bills have nothing close to so and the Chiefs also have nothing close but the Chiefs have Patrick Patrick Mahomes Mahomes. (laughs) Kelsey but you know but I think like they proved at the beginning last year with the healthy Dak Prescott they showed flashes of what that offense can look like and I really like Dak going into this year they Gave him a lot of money, which we'll talk to about to it. We'll talk about in a little bit. But before the injury, Dak is the highlight for the Dallas Cowboys twenty twenty season. But really, really sad that the highlight of their entire yeah. season was five games of one player. Yeah, that is kind of sad. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. But honorable mention, Ceedee Lamb, who was a surprise draft pick. Because they already had Gallup, and they already had Amari Cooper. And to add to that already very, very solid receiving core, they added CeeDee Lamb in the draft. And he had a great rookie season. 935 yards and five touchdowns with mostly an Andy Dalton-led offense. So I expect nothing but great things from CeeDee Lamb this year. So also wanted to mention I have him on my fantasy team in me and Jaden's league. So watch out. Watch out. Let's get into the worst for the Dallas Cowboys last year. And there was a lot. There was a lot. They had, I mean. Everything after those five games. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it already. The last 11 games of the season. The the majority of the season. But we already mentioned this already. But you can make a point that the Dak, I mean, obviously the Dak injury was the most crucial, worst. But a, a close second, if not the first worst 
was the defense last year, which oh, was yeah. just outright miserable. They allowed the second most rushing yards in the league, and they were, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys unanimously was the worst defense in the league last year. Yeah. It's got the names. You know, it's got Vander Ash, it's got Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, I wouldn't call those like. <laughs> no, I agree. Those like, are names. Like, there are names there. Yeah. There are teams with a lot less names, you know, i.e., Lions, Texans, but like, just the way that they play, and I'm feel like Demarcus Lawrence may have struggled with a little bit of injury last year, but they they couldn't stop the run. They really like I believe it was through the first five games that Dak was going crazy was they offered or they oh fuck. They allowed like a record amount of yards throughout those first five games, like all all time NFL record. Most yards allowed through the first five games of the season. Like it was ridiculous. And they they were what, like one and four through that stretch with your quarterback throwing for almost four hundred yards a game. Like, very rarely will you lose a game if your quarterback throws for 400 yards. But I don't th- I don't think they made the necessary improvements to fix that defense. And the secondary was the major problem. But, yeah, and like they... And there's no names on that secondary. Yeah, it's just Trevon Diggs, and if you even want to call that, that's only a that's name to a me. Name. It's because of Stephon Diggs' brother, right. and he yeah. went to Maryland. That's the only reason why it was a name to me. Yeah. But it... it mm. Dismal. Yeah. Dismal. Very that. dismal. <laughs> yeah, very dismal. dismal. The Blitz and Dismal podcast. <laughs> dismal times three. Honorable mentions for the worst of the Cowboys season last year. The offensive line, they struggled with some injuries, but Zeke also, I mean, those go hand in hand. The offensive line had some injuries, and they were they struggled a fair amount last year, and Zeke struggled because of that. And... What you want to call a struggle, I mean, he finished with 979 yards and six touchdowns, but compared to what Zeke yeah. should do and has done, yeah. that a was not a Zeke been, season. A guy has been considered a consensus top three or five back right. for the last five years. Yeah, and he had a similar season to Damian Harris last year. Yeah. So, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. But looking up this year because have got a healthy O-line yeah. and – it's a, a lot. The receivers are going to take a lot of attention. I mean, you have more of a in threat the back, in the passing yeah, game than you do in the running game, which is hard to say yeah. because you have Zeke Elliott. But when you have those receivers to take the attention off, that you can divvy it out. You know. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the offseason stuff for the Cowboys. The best was the much long-awaited and much anticipated extension of Mr. Dak Prescott. Four years, $160 million to Mr. Prescott. And it was funny because how the whole thing worked out is there was a lot of debate going into the season, whether or not they were going to give him an extension. Mm -hmm. And then to start the year, he totally dominates, totally dominates. And then he gets injured and you saw what the Cowboys look like without Dak Prescott. And Dak didn't need any sort of negotiation tactics in that agreement, I imagine, because just Look at this. Yeah, just, <laughs> just it, lay their stat sheet down for the year. Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine he was smiling all year because oh. of the fat extension he knew he was oh, going to yeah. get. I mean, I, as much as you can smile after snapping your ankle in half and missing your entire season. But <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's just yeah, a just half like grin. A painful smile. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's maybe just a re- half grin. A smile during rehab. But We were talking a little bit before the podcast about this extension, the about. And about the amount of money that went into this extension. And we had a curious conversation. I want to mention it up again. 
does the Super Bowl window close now? With that much money going to Dak, and you've already got all that money involved in Zeke, and you're not going to be able to hold on to all these receivers. Yeah. I I think Gallup's contract is up this year, so he probably gets let go just because you're not going to pay your third receiver what some teams... Clear third. Yeah, what what some teams will be willing to pay Michael Gallup. But I don't know. When you're paying... Like, you think of a lot of these teams that have gone to the Super Bowl, like... They've either had a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady who did Tom Brady did take a pretty big pay cut to go to Tampa Bay. Patrick Mahomes is a different story, but like the Rams went to the Super Bowl. Jared Goff's on a rookie contract. Jimmy G went to the Super Bowl. He's on a rookie contract. Like the percentage of cap that they can take up when you have that at such an important position, but then you've got you can spend all that money elsewhere. That means so much, and I don't. I just don't think Dak Prescott is one of those truly elite quarterbacks that can elevate a team to a Super Bowl almost by himself. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, those guys aren't by themselves, but they are like the upper echelon, the top two or three guys. And well, Patrick Mahomes I just, is an I, yeah, abnorm- he's a, he's abnormality. A, yeah, but... I just don't think that Prescott is one of those guys, and you've still got so many holes to fill on this team. You're I think still... Dak Prescott has yet to prove he's one of those guys. He's still a young quarterback. I mean, he's been in the league longer than Mahomes. He's been in the league longer than Allen. Mahomes he's, has been, he's been in the league longer than Josh Allen. He's been in the league longer than Kyler Murray. He's been in the league longer than Lamar Jackson. You think Kyler Murray's better than no, Dak Prescott? No, no. I don't like Dak, but you I think don't think... You think Lamar Jackson's better than Dak Prescott? Yes. Well... As far as like a super taking, who would you rather have lead a Super Bowl team, Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott? I think Lamar Jackson on the Cowboys would be better than Dak Prescott on the Ravens. You would have Lamar Jackson, Dak, Dak arguably Prescott, the worst thrower in the league, throwing to some of the best receivers in the league. There's yeah, no way. because Dak Prescott would be one of the better throwers in the league, throwing to one of the worst receiving cores in the league. Like they're off. I mean, obviously, it's hard to make this comparison because. The Ravens will be a completely – they would be ran differently with Dak Prescott, who doesn't run read options and stuff like that. But he's not – I just don't think he elevates an offense as much as even a Lamar does because Lamar can you know make something out of nothing just with his legs, whereas Dak Prescott is just – you know, he just moves the ball up the field, and that's great. He can move with that's, his legs. He can he can move with his legs, but that's not. You don't He's build an offense it. around Dak Prescott's legs, no. like like a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson. But neither of those guys are leading you to a Super Bowl. I would much rather trust Dak Prescott to lead me to. A Super I don't Bowl. trust Dak Prescott to lead you to, it. especially not now. If you surround him with a, you don't like, think four years, one hundred and sixty, one hundred and sixty million dollars proves that they think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. It proves that they think they don't want to lose him because Jerry Jones only has ten more years of his life left, <laughs> and he can't take the time to draft and develop another quarterback. When you've got Amari Cooper, Jerry you've Jones got, isn't involved anymore. He's, you got Zeke, you got Zach Martin, you've got Tyron Smith, you got Demarcus Lawrence, you've got guys that are ready to win now. You can't wait till next year to then maybe draft a quarterback right. who is then ready three years from now. Amari Cooper's gone by then. Tyron Smith's gone by then. Zach Martin's gone by then. The only, I mean, obviously you're going to bring guys in, but these players are top end players right now, and you want to try and capitalize on this supposed Super Bowl window that they're in right now and Dak Prescott is going to be the only guy that's going to get you there because Dak Prescott while I'm not a huge believer in him quarterbacks like him don't really hit the market yeah agreed 
Agreed. Well, good song, good conversation there. Good conversation. Honorable mention for the best in the offseason. They drafted, they traded down with Philadelphia. They had an opportunity to draft Devontae Smith, but why would you do that? But they traded down to the number 12 pick in the draft with the Eagles, and they drafted Micah Parsons, who was arguably the best defensive player in the draft. Not even arguably, honestly. I'm a big certain believer, but outside of him, yeah, it was definitely Michael Parsons because he can he can do so much. I mean, I watched obviously I watched the Hall of Fame game to see what Najee's going to bring, and I saw him rushing the passer. I saw him dropping back into coverage. So, I mean, if you want to you know place some bets down on defensive rookie of the year, I would not you know Scott. I would not I would not be afraid to put that money down on Michael Parsons. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's get into the worst of the off season for the Dallas Cowboys and. Not much, but they did lose cornerback Chidobe Awuzie to a three-year, $21.75 million deal to Cincinnati. And that's a bummer because the defense is obviously, especially the secondary, is obviously the worst part of your team and letting go of your primary guy as far as the secondary goes outside of digs tends to not go very well. So... Kind of a bad loss for Dallas, but honorable mention for the worst in the offseason. Not much, but not firing Mike McCarthy, and you mentioned it earlier. I'll just let you take that. Yeah, just not many coaches are going to get fired when their star quarterback uh, gets injured for the year early in the season, but I just I don't think Mike McCarthy's the guy, and if we're talking Super Bowl with the Cowboys, you I don't think Mike McCarthy's going to get you there. Yeah. He took Green Bay to a Super Bowl, though. Yeah. But, but that, was, that was on the yeah. back of Aaron Rodgers in that yeah. elite offense. But and just because Jerry Jones likes to have a guy that he can kind of puppet, for lack of a better word, which is why he kept Garrett around for so long, is just somebody that he can that – somebody that's not going to take the team away. You from really Jerry think Jones. Jerry Jones is that involved anymore? Dude, he's – I've heard like, a lot that it's his son that well, is pulling he's still Jones. He's still some – Involved. Yeah, like, he's more involved than pretty much any owner in the league. Yeah, just because. I mean, he always has been that way, but I think, I mean, the man's getting old, man. Yeah, that's what I'm. That well, that's more or less what I'm saying is he is getting old, and he's trying to get a Super Bowl, you mm-hmm. know, before he either kicks a bucket. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, he before he kicks the bucket, and I think he's gonna buy in. That's why he paid Dak Prescott. That's why you know they're gonna try and buy in here soon or they have to or it's just going to end up going by the wayside because the longer you wait now that you're paying back 40 million dollars a year the more guys that are going to let go because you can't afford to pay them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i will say that mike mccarthy is more of a no-nonsense kind of guy he's not what people would call a player's coach so those guys tend to not do very well in today's nfl and he also hasn't you know evolved his scheme since he came into the, like he's not a huge schematics guy like yeah. he's not he's not an office he's not guru. bringing he's not bringing anything to the table that any other coordinator in the league would and some of his schemes and concepts are pretty outdated at this point and right. he's not really willing to change those because he is a no-nonsense guy and he believes that what he already has what i do is best. for him and you know that whole thing yeah yeah so with that, let's get into the outlook for the Dallas Cowboys this year. Ceiling floor, what you got? Uh, floor, I can't see them losing like less than six or seven games. Yeah, or winning, winning less than six or seven yeah. games just because 
you know, they do have Dak. They do have that offense that is pretty high-powered, and the defense is mm-hmm. not, I wouldn't say quite good enough, but it's not going to lose you that many games. Um, just as long as everybody stays healthy, I think they at worst win like seven games. But I'd say the ceiling is probably like 12-ish wins. Like if they can have, like you were mentioning earlier, like a Bills-type year where the defense is not Well, with 17 great. or 18 games this year. Yeah. I think... Like you, like the Bills don't have the greatest defense, but they do have Tre'Davious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan. Po- like they've got guys that are there. Dallas has guys. Like they've met. got some guys, but like I, the fact that all of the Buffalo's guys are in the secondary. Right. Yeah, and that's the big problem with Dallas. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I would say that the floor is, especially with the eighteen games this year. I would say the floor is eight or nine games. And I would say the ceiling is 13 or 14 because that is what we saw from the Bills last year. I think it's going to be really similar with them this year. Hmm. So, With that, let's get into our next team on the list here. And we got the New York Giants who finished 6-10 and 10 last year. And let's hop into the 2020 highlights. The best from New York last year. We had some struggles trying to pick this because... New York was pretty average last year, but the defense definitely took a step up last year. They were a top 15 defense. I think I looked at it and I think they were exactly 12. Top 10, 15, or top 15 defense in yards allowed last year as far as the least amount of yards allowed. And the secondary finished with double digits interceptions. They finished with 11. So the defense definitely took a step up. Honorable mentions, as far as the best goes, the emergence of James Bradbury as a top corner in this league. Finished with three interceptions last year, but where do you think James Bradbury stacks up? Uh, I don't think he's quite in that elite category of obviously the Jalen Ramsey Jair, but like the Marlon Humphrey, the Tredavious White, the Xavier the guys on the Howard, way you know. But he's he's definitely like right below that, like maybe with like Denzel Ward, uh, kind of blanking on other names right this second but you know in that tier of guys just right below like the Tredavious White but you know if he has another great year this year he could definitely put himself in that conversation just as Xavier Howard did where he wasn't really in that conversation mm-hmm. heading into this past year and then now he is you know being talked about as one of the top corners in the league and just got a pretty big payday yeah yeah so I agree with that I agree but he could definitely take another step up this year and put himself into that conversation. The worst from the Giants last year, they had a terrible, terrible, unfortunate injury. They spent some serious draft capital, as much of our listeners know, on Saquon Barkley. Drafted him as the... He was the number two? Yeah, he was two. Yeah, number two pick in the draft. And obviously when he's on the field, he is one of the best, most talented running backs in the league, but he wasn't on the field last year. He tore his ACL in week one, but with, and he's had some injury history. He did not play a full 16 games in 2019, and he missed the entirety of the season last year. So do you think we can start to put Saquon Barkley in the injury-prone category? I wouldn't quite say yet, just because the injuries that he has had in previous years were outside of this past year, were relatively minor. He had a hamstring injury, then he had an ankle injury, and now he's got an ACL injury. So, you know, they're all 
three different parts of your leg. So you're not, it's not like he's constantly dealing with knee issues or constantly dealing with ankle issues. So as a Saquon holder in at least one fantasy league, as I am drafting tomorrow at number five, where Saquon will probably be the best player available, could be two fantasy leagues. I would like for that to not be the case. And he proves to be one of the top two or three running backs, both in fantasy and in, you know, as a football player. But I, I don't buy into the fact that he's, like, super injury-prone. He tore his ACL. That's Yeah. That's it sounds, when I say it, it sounds bad. But, like, many, many players have torn their ACL yeah. and come back. I mean, I don't, this is obviously an anomaly, but Adrian Peterson, who was, you know, another freak athlete who comes back from the ACL. You know, has a very has similar running style to Saquon where he tries to, break off every like he's not happy with two yards he wants to turn everything into big yeah run. well that's that's my point like Saquon is such a physical runner that I think he's going to be susceptible to injuries like this yeah but at the same time he's so agile where he can make guys miss a lot yeah. so like there's either way you can do it but he didn't make a miss on the ACL no he, no they didn't <laughs> no, they, I can't I can't really they really there. I want to watch the video and make sure that I don't even right, know if it was a contact injury it, it might, have he might have just popped it like on like run out of bounds or something but yeah I really hope that that's not the case because he is currently the best player on my fantasy team and, and I'm selling that I'm selling that to other people that he's fine <laughs> so yeah just keep just keep telling yourself that. Yeah. Without a degree, I can't really say that without a vote of confidence. But Yeah, I agree. I agree. Honorable mentions as far as the worst of this season, as far as the Giants go last year. Another mediocre season from Daniel Jones. Almost 3,000 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I don't know if he's going to be the quarterback of the future there, but he definitely needs to take a step yeah, th- up this, this year, is, this or is, he will put yeah, himself into the Drew Lock. Say this is category. this is a prove it year where you know if they if he doesn't take that step up, they might look to upgrade during the draft because you know you now do have a pretty solid defense, and you have Saquon, and you now have Kenny Galladay, and you've got your franchise left tackle who also could probably fall into this category of disappointments, just comparatively to the tackles that were taken. In the same class, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, those guys who had amazing seasons last year, whereas Andrew Thomas had a typical rookie tackle season, just didn't look as good in comparison. But you've got all the pieces to have a good team, but you're still missing that quarterback. So I feel like if he doesn't prove himself to be the answer this year, they're definitely going to look to upgrade that with a high draft pick Hundred percent in this upcoming draft. 100%. They also had subpar wide receiver play, which didn't help too much with Daniel Jones' status last year. You had guys like Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, who disappointed last year, and Golden Tate every year. Yeah. But when is Evan Ingram going to take this step up? Jeez. Like, he's talent. Like, he's got the talent. But I guess when you have Daniel, Daniel Jones throwing to you, it's, it's kind of hard. But let's get into the offseason for the Giants. The best of the offseason was clearly the Kenny Galladay signing. Oh, yeah. They signed him to a four-year, $72 million deal, and I'm a huge believer in Kenny Galladay. I love him. I think he's got he's one of the most talented – I mean, it's hard to say he's one of the most talented receivers, but he has – He's definitely been, one of the best jump ball threats, like yeah. red zone targets. Mini Megatron. He's, yeah, he's yeah. – well, no, that's Claypool. Slow down. <laughs> slow down. Slow down. Yeah. That's, that's Chase Claypool. Slow down. But 
Yeah, he's definitely. You think Kenny Galladay is not as good as Chase Claypool? I think Chase Claypool will finish with a better career than Kenny Galladay. Wow. Interesting. I don't know about that. I'm a huge Claypool believer, man. But that's yet to be seen. So. Anyway. But I will mention that Kenny Galladay, as much as I am a believer of Kenny Galladay, his quarterback was Matt Stafford, who is one of the premier quarterback talents in this league. And I don't know if he can have the same success under a guy like Daniel Jones. So we'll see. We'll see. Honorable mentions as far as the best of the offseason. They end up bringing in Dory Jackson, cornerback out of Tennessee, on a three-year deal. And they brought in Kyle Rudolph who was the veteran from the veteran tight end from Minnesota on a two-year deal. And his best days are behind him, but I've always been a Kyle Rudolph believer. The worst of the offseason for the Giants was the loss of Kevin Ziegler. Three years, $22.5 million to Baltimore. What are your thoughts? I think it was just like, a, okay, we're going to try and move towards a younger offensive line and I think Kevin Zeitler still has some good football left in him, and that's exactly why Baltimore picked him up so quickly, just because they obviously need that interior line help. And he, he can still be, I wouldn't say a top-end guard, but a more-than-serviceable starter mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Yeah, and you don't want to be letting guys like that go on the line with a guy like Daniel Jones at yeah. their center. Yeah. You know? So definitely a serious loss for the Giants. But 2021 outlook for the Giants. What you got, man? Uh, floor. Saquon being healthy wins you a couple games. Yeah, let's assume Saquon. Yeah, Sa- Saquon plays eight, 17 games. <sighs> floor, probably five wins just because I don't, I, I don't trust Daniel Jones. But that defense did prove a lot last year, and they won some games that they probably shouldn't have because of that defense. And they got the weapons on offense. Yeah, and then now you've got Saquon back, and you're adding Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. So I'd say probably floors like five wins. Ceiling, nine. They just they just don't have a very high ceiling with Daniel Jones under center. Like, I know that Washington did a similar thing last year with a bad quarterback and a great team around them, but that the, this Giants team is not as good yeah. as the Washington team was last year and even this year, and we'll get to that in a second, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that the floor is because it's all dependent. I mean, we've mentioned this before. Like, it's all dependent on the quarterback play. Yeah. Like, the, he has the pieces there to be successful. But a bad Daniel Jones, I think the floor is five wins. But a good Daniel Jones, if he takes a step up this year, I think the ceiling is ten wins. So. All right. Well, let's get into my lovely Washington Redskins. football Team, baby. Let's go. The Burgundy and Gold. They finished 7-9 and nine last year, which earned them the division title, surprisingly, with a 7-9 and nine record. But despite that, we won the division, and we made the playoffs, and we gave the Bucks a good show with Mr. Taylor Heineke. But let's get into the best things to happen to my Washington football team during the season last year, and... I think it's obvious the defensive line was just unstoppable last year, and they are a bunch of young guys. You got first-round picks across the board. Montez Sweat, he finished with nine sacks last year. You got Chase Young, who's obviously a monster. When you just look at him on the field, he's just, like, bigger than everybody else, like, physically dominating, like, just like um, Clowney was out yeah, of college. Way, like, way more technical. Yeah. With his, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But like as far as like a physical presence oh, yeah. goes, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Chase Young finished with seven and a half sacks last year. And you got De'Aaron Payne and you got Jonathan Allen. These guys are all young guys that are going to be on this defensive line for years to come. And I love it. I love it. Where would you stack up this pass rush already as far as the best pass rushes in the NFL? Uh, I think it's arguably first. I hate to be that guy, but I do think, especially with Alu Ali returning and now we've added Melvin Ingram, I still think the Steelers are first just because I think T.J. Watt is a better pass rusher than Chase Young currently. I think that there's a very solid. Guys I, have, I, I think there's a very solid chance that Chase Young passes him at some point in his career. Because I, I do, I really like Chase Young. Um, Who does? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really <laughs> hard. It's really him? hard to not like Chase Young. He's you know, shown all the leadership qualities and freak athlete. It's really hard to not root for him. But uh, just currently, the Steelers, just because we've still got Cam Hayward, we've got Tuit, we've got we've got more interior pass rush than you guys. You just guys be- lost Hayward and Bud Dupree, man. How can you say that? We still that? got Hayward. Oh, you still got Hayward? Yeah. Dang. Dupree, Dupree's gone. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, just with, with Hayward and Tuit still there, we've got more interior <laughs> pass with Hayward and Tuit gone, we've still got more uh, interior pass rush than you guys just because Deron Payne is not exactly a pass rusher. And we've still got Alu Alu, and then now we have Melvin Ingram, who is, you know, a former pro bowler. But you play four up top, and you got Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne who yeah, complement each other. Like, yeah. they both do what the other can't do yeah. super well. Well, that's well. what I'm saying. Like, and we kind of had that, but we have Tuit, Hayward, uh, Alo Alo, Alo Alo's in the middle, so to it, Alo Alo, Hayward, and then Watt. And then, you know, sometimes we can mix in Highsmith and we can run a five man front, or we can, you know, we put Alo Alo in on rundowns and stuff like that. I think so, purely athletically, though, we blow it oh, out of the water. Purely athletically, there's nobody in the league close to you guys. But as, you know, considering to it and Hayward are both veterans and they've, you know, been some of the top interior pass rushers in the league for a while now and still are. Plus T.J. Watt being there, who should have been defensive player of the year last year. <laughs> um, Tough to swallow. Yeah. Um, I still think that we're number one, but Washington is really on our tail, and I would not be surprised if they're the best pass rush after this upcoming season. Fair enough. Fair enough. I disagree because they're the Washington football team. But. I know you do. Let's get into some honorable mentions for the best things to happen to my team last year. And Scary Terry. Dominant season last year, over a thousand yard receiving, and he only had four touchdowns. But yeah, a lot of that could be credited to not having a quarterback that could throw him the ball in the end zone. He still doesn't. Still doesn't. You are really a Fitzpatrick hater. I'm not Gosh. a Fitzpatrick hater. He's just not a great quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's, he's not a good. quarterback. He's a quarterback. That's my point. He's, he's miles ahead of what he's we He's better had than last Alex year. Smith, but he's still just a quarterback. He's still a below average quarterback. I but like he's miles above he's, anything we had, and we were seven in line last year. Yeah, but like Alex Smith was really bad, but how much better for Terry McLaurin, especially now with Curtis Samuel coming in, how much better can he be for Terry McLaurin specifically? Scary Terry, obviously, great season last year. And Despite only having four touchdowns, that's going to look great this year. A lot better. And they also have Mr. Antonio Gibson, 
who had a very Alfred Morris-esque season last year, but... Hopefully he doesn't have an Alfred Morris-esque career. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But Alfred Morris that first year, we were talking about it before the pod, Alfred Morris was the guy. He was the guy. He was the bell cow. But Antonio Gibson offers a lot. I think he's just purely more talented. He played receiver for three years at Memphis and transitioned to running back, so he's obviously got the receiving capabilities. He finished with almost 800 yards last year, and he finished with double-digit touchdowns at 11. So I think we got I think we got our guy running back. Yeah, which makes me makes me really happy, especially with the late dra- late round draft pick that we used on him. Yeah, definitely. So. Unfortunately, let's get into the worst that happened last year, and that was the quarterback play. Specifically, what hurt me the most as a fan was it was officially the end of the Dwayne Haskins experiment in Washington. Start in Pittsburgh. Woo! Good luck with that. (laughs) Good luck with that. Ron Rivera literally put him in the Carolina game just to show everyone what he was not, and he throws three interceptions in the first half, and it's pretty dismal. But you were talking before. I I agree. Not a I, lot I, of faith there. Yeah, I think the Rivera didn't want him. The front office didn't want him. The only the only people that really wanted him in Washington was the fans. And since Rivera didn't like him so much, like you just said, they put him in the Carolina game. I think Rivera literally just put him in and was like, "Okay, you guys think he's all that? I'm going to show you how bad he is, or how bad I think he is." And you know, he's going to do this, and. They, they just didn't really set him up for success. Like, Alex Smith is not a great quarterback, but, you know, he's not the only reason why they didn't have a great year. Like, the receiving weapons outside of Terry McLaurin are very, very empty. The offensive line more. play outside of Brandon Sheriff and uh, your center, Chase. Don't know how to Rolier. say his last name. Yeah, Rolier. Not that great. Like, that's why I'm still... Not too high on Fitzpatrick. But anyway, been hearing a lot of good things about Haskins in training camp. So clearly there's something in there. I mean, he... <laughs> clearly, that's what you want to hear about there. a quarterback. That is, there's something There's there. something. There's got to be. He can throw the ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, he's got he's got records for the Big Ten. He was a first-round draft pick. There's got to be yeah, something no. in there. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I think Pittsburgh is a good situation for him because there's not a whole lot of pressure right now. Yeah, I agree. See, the problem with Dwayne Haskins, like, not the problem, but I just want to say that I was the biggest Dwayne Haskins believer. I could not believe he was not playing earlier in the year. Like, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, why? Like, this is going to be a throwaway season anyway. Why don't we put him in and just let him figure it out? And for the longest time, Ron Rivera was like, "We, I'm putting the guy in there who I believe is going to put us in the best position to win, yada, yada, yada. And I didn't want to hear it anymore. And finally, it just got just got too much for Rivera. And he was like, all right, fine. I'll put him in for a half and have him throw three interceptions. So that's what happened. probably scheme that shit up so he'd throw interceptions too. Hey, man, Ron Rivera's not evil. I, He's a cancer I, survivor. <laughs> There's Riverboat no Ron. If you survive cancer, there's no way you could be a bad person. You are pure of heart. I, I love Ron Rivera, but Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and as much as I love Taylor Heineke, these are not quarterbacks. <laughs> these are run of the mill. These are D3, Yeah, these, these are, are run of the mill people. 
These are average Joes. Outside of Brian Fitzpatrick. Brian Fitzpatrick is a little bit more than a businessman. Right, exactly. That's right. my point. We, sure. we don't have just people playing the quarterback position. We have a quarterback We have now. the smartest, non-football smart gunslinger to ever play the position. I love it. I love it. Speaking of off-season moves to the Redskins, let's dive into it. Or, I'm sorry. Not Redskins. I guess we're the football team. I hope we're the Red Wolves next year. I hope we're the Red Wolves next year. Anyway, off-season moves. The highlight, the best of the off-season moves was just free agency in general. Was <laughs> the off-season? Yeah, was the off-season. We ended up getting William Jackson, who we've talked about before, cornerback out of Cincinnati, three years, forty million dollars, and we had a lot of free agency recap. But we are both firm believers in William Jackson, yeah, especially adding to that defense. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be great. He's gonna be great. So. They also added on the receiving end, and this was my – I thought we might have gone a receiver in the first round just because we needed somebody to take the attention off of Terry. Yeah. Like, he needs to blossom, and we didn't have anybody that could take that attention away from him. But we ended up getting Curtis Samuel, who is the perfect guy because he's obviously a number two. He'll never be a number one. Yeah. But he's a talented receiver who will easily take off – the attention from Mr. Scary Terry McLaurin. They signed him to a three-year, $34.5 million deal, and I think Terry explodes with some of the attention being diverged to Curtis Samuel. So we also added Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Woo! We've already talked a lot about him already, so I will spare you the analysis, but he signs a one-year non-risk deal, $10 million. I love it. I love it. Honorable mention for as far as the best offseason moves go, we ended up extending Jonathan Allen, who we were talking about earlier, a staple on our line, and he's one of the older guys on our line too, which is a big deal. Which is weird because he's like 26. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he's he's been halfway around the block. <laughs> halfway around the block. So we ended up assigning him to an extension on four years, $72 million. And fun fact, $30 million signing bonus. Imagine getting a $30 million signing bonus. What would you do with $30 million? I feel like that should be a whole other podcast episode. Yeah, you're right. We'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for like... What post, would you do? Pre, Post-Super Bowl, pre-free agency next year. Yeah. We'll have like six guests on yeah, for that podcast. Just, just and we'll like just a, go around just and ask questions. Like, yeah. <laughs> when do you think you're going to get married? <laughs> What's your thought about religion? <laughs> Jeez. The worst as far as the offseason goes for the Washington football team, and this is arguable. I don't think we made a bad move all offseason, honestly. Uh, but it, uh, the worst, it's hard to say the worst, but one of the not as great moves. Not good ones. Yeah, one of the not spectacular moves that we made was, and despite him being a cat, a wildcat. Some Kentucky student you are. Yeah. I know. I I seem to frequently shit on Kentucky players. I'm not going to lie. But we ended up getting Jamin Davis, who's the linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the draft this year. And we at, we definitely had a serious need at linebacker. As far as the defense goes, we had a serious need at linebacker. And I ran a couple franchises on Madden, and I took a linebacker every single time this in, yeah. in that draft. And... But I will say, despite our need for a linebacker, and he's going to do great things for us, and he's going to make that defense 
even more elite than it is already. He's not going to be... I mean, picking where we picked. Like, mm-hmm. at the number 19 pick, you're not going to pick a piece that's going to be a part of your core future group. But I you mean, can't say that about Davis. Like, you, he's you not... Got, I mean, a first-round pick is a first-round pick, and more times than not, especially... Like, maybe if you're picking a quarterback at the back end of the first round, you're not super excited about that. But when you're picking, you know... What, Montez Sweat was, what, 25? Jonathan Allen was towards the middle of the first round, and I'm pretty sure so was Deron Payne. So you've had some pretty good luck picking in the middle of that first round. That whole line's a first round, baby. Yeah. I, don't, I guess that's good. I mean, when they're that good, yeah. Had they not worked out, that would have been really bad if you wasted four first-round picks on defensive linemen. But we did it! Yay! Yay! But... Uh, he's not going to be one of those core future guys unless he bruises. You gotta hope. You gotta hope he is. Yeah. I mean, if he's a first round, if he's your first selection, you've just. You, but he's not like you expect. I mean, you do expect that. Like yeah, yeah. Even, but like, it's not. What my point is, it's like it's not a quarterback. You know, well, it's yeah. not like an maybe, offensive lineman that's going to hold down the core. Been. Yeah. But it's not one of those it, big flashy. Oh like no, it's not future flashy pieces. at all. It's not flashy you know? at all. It's not gonna so. sell jerseys. No one's buying Jamin Davis jerseys. Hey man, I'm sorry. I'll so buy it. You go ahead. I will be the go ahead. I'll be the one. Go ahead. I'd the love one to see the go one. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. <laughs> Woo. All right, I guess I just signed myself <laughs> off again. Yep. <laughs> Jamin Davis jersey. But let's dive into the outlook for the Washington football team this coming year. What you got, man? I'll let you go first. Floor. Seven wins just because Quarterback play isn't there. Isn't there. It couldn't be not there. Say it could be not there. It, there's a pot. There's a pot. It's like, not. It's, at, at it best, is there. At best, Ryan Fitzpatrick will, this year will be a top 20 quarterback. Like last year was the best year of his career, far and above anything. And With a top 20 quarterback, we're getting 10 wins. Okay. All right. The top 20 quarterback, you are getting 10 wins, but it's not a given that you're going to get a top 20 quarterback because Ryan Fitzpatrick has never been a that. top 20 quarterback, I agree. except for last year where you know he was still splitting the job with another guy, and that's obviously you know different because he was the first-round pick or whatever. But I, I, I'm not a believer in Ryan Fitzpatrick, so that's why I'm saying the floor is probably seven wins because that defense is going to win you enough. You know, It's going to win you. Six or seven games just by They only got better this year, yeah. and they won yeah. seven games last year. So. Yeah. And with the extended schedule, they're at least going to win seven. Yeah. Um, ceiling, though, if Ryan Fitzpatrick does, you know, become the 20th best quarterback in the league, like everyone hopes and dreams, <laughs> I think 11 wins is a fair ceiling just because you really do need an elite quarterback to get, you know, like into the 12, 13, 14 win category. Defense is great, but, like, I mean, you take a look at, I mean, your team, how much different is this Washington team outside of age from what the Steelers ran out with last year? We started out great, and, you know, at those first You guys had Juju. We didn't have Juju. <laughs> you guys had just the pure toxicity of Juju Smith-Schuster, and I'm not getting he bled that into I'm the not, team. I'm not getting into this today. But... <laughs> Jeez, man. I'm telling you. You have the toxicity of Dan Snyder. I don't want to hear anything. About hey, Dan anything. Snyder is taken. I hate Dan Snyder. You I wish the, Dan Snyder have, would just disappear. You have the I toxicity wish he would... of not having a team name. I don't... 
Oh, nice. Thanks. The cheap shots. <laughs> Thanks. Dan yeah. Snyder. Yeah, I took it there. I wish Dan I Snyder would just disappear. But he's given Ron Rivera a lot of the front office like yeah, mojo nowadays. So, But, and like I said, floor, seven wins, ceiling, 12 wins, just because they don't have the elite quarterback play. Okay. Okay. I will say that the floor, yeah, I'll put our floor at seven. Because... We, well, I'll put it at eight. I'll as a homer, I'll put it at eight because with the extra game this year, we're at least gonna finish as well as we did last year. And we finished seven and nine last year, so we're at least gonna get that last win. So I would put our floor at eight wins, which is a pretty solid floor. But I'll put the floor at eight, and I'll put the ceiling at, like I said, with the extended schedule, I'll put it at twelve. So, all right. Well, that wraps up. Our NFC East talk today, but we're going to, and believe it or not, we are running close to, I mean, we're going to run over an hour on this podcast, but we're working on it, guys, all right? Just as we said. It's not going to happen overnight. We're we're working on it. We we will eventually get it back down. Maybe we'll get it under an hour next time. Right, exactly. We got it less. Even even through cuts, we might get it under... we might get it under an hour just with cuts. We I stuttered for the first minute and a half of the podcast, so you know we could cut that out. It's optimistic. It's looking yeah. up. You know the we're floor, looking a lot the, better. The floor, fifty minutes. <laughs> floor Ce- ceiling's like an hour and twenty. Well, you got to think like we wanted to get down, so the ceiling would be fifty. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. but wait, we won't dive into specifics of ceiling and we'll floor. Save as far that, we'll as save minutes. that for another podcast. Yeah, episode. exactly, exactly, but. Thanks, guys, so much. We will catch you very soon. Deuces.